welcome back legends whoever is tuning into this newest episode of top tip with azam podcast to anyone tuning in new to this podcast this podcast is absolutely designed just for you what i do in this podcast is i sit down virtually with a lot of amazing industry leaders professionals recruiters and co-founders of various companies and ask them to share their top tips which could be helpful in your job seeking journey you might be a university student you might be uh, an international student you might be a graduate or you might be uh, an active job seekers well this is the right podcast you have tuned into i have been interviewing um industry leaders for a particular industry you know from ui ux from web development from digital space as well for today episode i have brought somebody who have been in working within this space of employability for nearly 30 years before i jump into the part of introducing my guest uh, let me share a little bit about myself because i had a couple of uh, feedback last week about people mentioning why don't i really introduce myself so let me quickly just introduce myself my name is tarzan prasaki and um, i'm from nepal i'm currently an international student at melbourne and i'm studying um telecommunication engineering at mit and i'm at my third year so i'll be graduating pretty soon i would say uh, and yeah one of the one of my major hobby is and passion is the space of employability and also soccer and if you're somebody who really likes soccer and you love united and you love cristiano ronaldo let's meet up and let's have some pint as well enough about me let's talk about my guest gordon scott gordon is director at job readiness training and successful graduate um he has been in this space for nearly 30 years as an expert and industry professional as well and he is a previous board member of IA as well Gordon first developed online courses in 2016 to provide online employability and job readiness training to students across the world through his company successful graduate Gordon has provided employability training at an enterprise level for study NSW study press Dave Queensland Seek Asia and many other clients across Australia Asia he has partnership in places with education technology providers including open learning and practitioner and more than 50,000 students have completed a successful graduate training during the year 2018 gordon successful graduate business was shortlisted for global qs the imagine education innovation and employability award san francisco and recently in 2020 was a highly commended finalist for bie employability international impact award london and during the year 2020 gordon formed another company with, with philip winning and created job readiness training private limited amending their online training content to support an audience beyond the student market to the post covid employment market jobreadinesstraining.com provides practical job readiness training that helps job seeker to apply for job nail the interview land the job and keep it its signature code dealing with job loss and redundancy has been featured by seven years nationally as well the platform is particularly well suited for iaa members and gordon specializes at online education corporate solution international business and international education and many other sectors it is an absolute honor to have gordon at the port and you know have a chat with him I I hope that this episode will be able to bring in some values for you guys as well. Without any further ado, let's jump into the pod and let's learn more from Gordon. 
Welcome to Top TP Tarzan Koren. How are we doing, mate? Doing really well, thanks, Tarzan. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, how you been? How you been these days? You, I've, I'm pretty sure you've been busy a lot, mate. Uh, yeah, it's been a really busy couple of years for us. Uh, I guess with the the increase in acceptance of online training, we've found that we've uh, we've had a lot of new customers come on board. Mm-hmm. So it's been a good year. Hmm. Um, so most of your business, you do it um, virtually or you try to do it in person? Uh, all of our business is online. So uh, we provide online training uh, to support education providers with employability of their students. Mm-hmm. And let, let's talk a little bit about your experience as well, because I, I was looking through your LinkedIn as well. And you started your career at the time when I was not even, uh, like, I was not even born. I, I was born in 1996. <laughs> Are you trying to make me feel old? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's 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 uh, like uh, as an you know to learn uh, so like from more of your experience. That's the only thing. And no, you you look young as you you were in sixteen. May trust me. <laughs> Tarzan, um, yeah. Well, I think they say you're only as old as you feel, uh, yeah. and so uh, sometimes I feel like I've I've I'm still at university, um, given that I go on campus to so many different unis at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've had a, a great career so far. Um, we've been lucky to travel around to different parts of Australia and different parts of the world uh, to work and to experience different cultures. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, when did you exactly thought of, you know, like to go all into this employability sector, like... Uh, because you have different sort of um, experience as well when I had a look at your LinkedIn. So when did you thought to, you know, now it's time to go all in in employability instead of going into different sectors? Okay, well, I, I've worked in um, quite a variety of different sectors through my career so far, uh, including uh, supporting uh, people who are involved in export industries. And I've witnessed the the role that education plays in the employment for different people in each of those different sectors. Uh, And there's one comment that uh, Bernard Salt, a a well-known demographer in Australia, made recently, which is that uh, there's no doubt that there's global demand for for employees who have had a formal education. Um, And so I was at a point in my career when I had been running one of our international education study clusters here in Australia. Uh, I set up and ran a cluster called Study Brisbane and was working exclusively with uh, education providers and their international students for seven or eight years uh, and and could see that there was just an overwhelming um, level of demand for improving the job application skills and the employability skills of our international students prior to them graduating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at that point when I realised that this is, in fact, a, an international issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just started to write a blog. Um, I left the employment of that organisation. I started to write a blog while consulting. And the blog was around, you know, how to support an international student to improve their employability skills. And before I knew it, we had a couple of thousand students following the blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realised that uh, something needed to be done to, to really 
develop a series of platforms that would support students no matter where they are located uh, with their employability. So that was in the year 2015 when I made that decision. And like before we jump into the a little bit more serious conversation, um, let's talk about a simplest topic called employability. What do you exactly mean by employability? Because yeah. One of the things that I noticed when, you know, meeting a lot of international students is that they're still not clear about what exactly this term is before they start their journey. And, and, and I think that's absolutely fair enough. Um, yeah. It's a term which is, it's a term which has evolved. I mean, look, the, any language on the planet changes through time. Um, yeah. When I launched Successful Graduate, the word employability didn't really exist. Mm -hmm. I remember using the, the term with some people from university careers teams mm -hmm. uh, and they, they said to me, look, um, that's a confusing term. What do you mean by it? <laughs> I think my definition of employability is the layer of skills and preparation that a student needs to have prior to graduating to be able to support their ability to find work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's quite a broad definition because the range of skills and the range of capabilities uh, is in itself quite broad uh, and indeed differs really from um, student to student because we've all got different personality types mm -hmm. and it differs from industry, one industry to another, because there are a variety of different skill sets that are required for any particular kind of job. Um, but we can break employability down into, I guess, three or four subterms. And so we're talking about the hard skills or the technical skills that an individual may acquire through on-the-job training or through education. So that's what that's what we're going to uni or college for or school. Mm -hmm to get the hard skills. We can talk about the soft skills or the general workplace skills mm -hmm. that an individual needs to acquire in order to complete that job with the hard skills that they have. And so I'm talking about communication skills, negotiation skills, team building skills, leadership skills, etc. So these mm -hmm. are the soft skills that require very important layer of employability. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm talking about self-awareness. So I'm talking about how an individual understands enough about themselves to be able to sell themselves mm -hmm. to an employer. Let's not kid ourselves. There's, this is a marketing <laughs> process um, in, in terms of being able to sell your skill set to an employer. And finally, I think that there's a body of knowledge that we need market to market around how the job application process works in that mm -hmm. country or indeed in that industry. So probably those four, I think, would help to define what employability is in the context of the education sector. Mm -hmm. And um, when, when it comes to, you know, because you've been involved within the employability uh, sector for a quite while, you've been working with different universities, right? And what do you think is the ratio of um, skill set a candidate need when it comes to, like, um, you, we, you talked about hard skills and soft skills as well. And we see a lot of, you know, candidates, they go and, you know, work and really, really a lot of hard skills. They are really qualified and they seem to lack in soft skill. Uh, yeah. I think with, yeah. that is one of the reasons they are not getting hired. What do you think is the ratio of getting, you know, for a candidate to get hired, like compared to hard skill and soft skill? How do you divide that? 
anywhere between one to five and one to 10. And so what I mean by that is, let's take a look at a, um, a, a typical job advertisement or a position description, which is advertised saying we've got a position vacant for a graduate here in Australia. It is likely to carry a mandatory selection criterion, which will be, it is mandatory that you possess a degree in, you know, Bachelor of Business with Human Resource Management or whatever. That's the hard skill requirement that you're most likely to see in that mm -hmm. position description. But then the rest of the selection criteria which could be as many as eight or nine other selection criteria are probably going to talk about the soft skills requirements of the candidate. And so if you're strategic about it, you can see immediately that in order to differentiate yourself as a graduate or anybody applying for this position, you need to talk about how your soft skills are going to be suited to the role as well as that one hard or technical skill. And I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious here because I'm sure there are many hard skills which would be a requirement of the job encapsulated in that, in that one piece. But when it comes to finding graduate work, we'll typically find there'll be two or 300 candidates, all of whom possess that brand new degree or certificate mm -hmm. or diploma hanging on the wall, which is criterion number one, the technical mm -hmm. or the hard skill. But, and that's what we, we as students have spent so much of our time developing, got to get a great grade. But unless we understand how to answer the eight or nine other mandatory selection criteria around soft skills, we're not going to be competitive because mm -hmm. everybody else has the same degree who's applied yeah. for the job. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it definitely, yeah. And I've seen this thing that, uh, you know, like I have a lot of my network you know, within the space of graduate and international student. And I see this common thing that we focus a lot um, on, you know, uh, like nurturing ourselves to get a, like, you know, a degree certification in this and that. But we forget the main part of getting hired is also learning about communication skills and also about, you know, being able to, you know, like, so that yes, we are able to, you know, like put out the value in like sales skills as well. And also showing that, yes, you are a real human being. Because at the end of the day, when you go face yourself in an interview, it's only about yourself. You have already placed out your CV. Now it's up to you how you show yourself in. I think that is where a lot of uh, international students and also graduate, they lack in at the moment. I'd love to delve into this in, in detail with you today if we have time, because I think there are just so many other layers uh, to be able to support the employability of international students or, or any student for that matter. Um, uh, and so many different tips and tricks that, uh, that we can put forward to be able to help them to acquire. I, I think the key is how can you make yourself more competitive before you graduate, mm -hmm. not once you graduate, because you're going to be up against it with the majority of the market, it's going to be super competitive. What can you do while you're still studying to improve your employability? So that's the secret. And let's talk about a little bit about your companies, because I found that really, really interesting, something that I always wanted to do as well. Um, job readiness and a successful graduate, what's the mission and vision of these two companies that you have started? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that. Well, um, Look, Successful Graduate is a business which has a vision of becoming the, the partner of choice to support the employability of students at education providers around the world. 
Um, and so our model is to develop online training platforms for education institutions, uh, which they use to improve the employability skills of their students. Um, and the, the mission of the business is really simple. It's to help students gain employment faster. It's as simple as that. Uh, and so, you know, we can delve into how we do that, if you like, but uh, the concept behind that business is to focus upon, uh, it's a B2B business. So we're supporting the education provider to support their student. Mm -hmm. um, job readiness training is a business that we developed last year in response to the pandemic and the number of people who are losing their jobs mm -hmm. as a result of the pandemic around the world. Um, and it's a, it's a business which is, is still alive today using the same concept of delivering employability training to support people, mm -hmm. but not, not students. So job readiness training focuses upon supporting people who've already been in the job market mm -hmm. to regain access into the job market again. Mm. Wow. Just love the vision and mission. And uh, yeah, because I was scrolling down in LinkedIn, like, you know, uh, as soon as I met you in the inside, I was like, okay, let's see. Because your when you were explaining about the market, I was like, okay, he knows a lot. And that's why I went to LinkedIn, found out that you were in seven news, mail, seven news as well. And, you, you know, like your success rate was good as well. Um, so whenever you design these sort of programs, you know, like as you said, as, you said, um, as soon as COVID hit, you started job readiness. Um, like a lot of people talk less about, you know, like the job market as well, because last time when we had a chat, you said there's going to be a shift in the market. Uh, how um, do you think uh, the market will change in, in upcoming years? As well? Because that's the one of the things that we need to consider when delivering any program or, you know, anything that we prepare candidate for. And, and you know, Tarzan, I think it actually um, is super important as a topic when it comes to a student making a decision about what they'll study. Mm -hmm. And so, so to be able to uh, take a look at where there are going to be job vacancies, I think is a very important part of the, the course selection process. Um, wow, there's so much data available. I'll talk about it from the Australian context. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at the Australian Bureau of Statistics, uh, they have a, a, a body of work called the Labour Force Survey. Mm -hmm. uh, and that survey uh, is released typically on a monthly basis with, you know, one or two months in, in lag. So if we look at the, the changes to what has made up um, the bulk of employment growth um, mm as a result of COVID impact upon Australia. It's really, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. So from February 2020 until August 2021, there were several hundred thousand new jobs that actually came into the marketplace in Australia. And they were jobs around four key industries. Um, the first was, unsurprisingly perhaps, the logistics industry. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we did see um, a lack of people being able to go out to the shops to buy things. And so, you know, uh, uh, online purchasing and delivery became uh, quite a growth market to the point where there were 35,000 new people in warehouses and stores um, selecting goods that people had purchased, 10,000 new delivery drivers, 10,000 managers in the logistics industry gained employment in that period. 
of course, the second was technology, where we saw uh, database and security stuff, 27,000 new jobs mm -hmm. created in Australia. Uh, programs, 19,000 jobs. Web developers, 11,000 jobs. A lot of people talk about the growth in the health and the medical sector mm -hmm. as a result of the pandemic, and that's correct. Uh, but some of us don't necessarily think about beyond the front line. So there were 10,000 new pharmacists that entered mm -hmm. the job market last year, uh, 10,000 speech pathologists, 7,000 registered nurses. So, so I think, you know, we'll talk about the future in a minute, but I think that health and medical is one that's going to continue to see a rise in job numbers. Um, and then, uh, you know, the one that, that sort of caught my eye, which was quite surprising, but I suppose if you think about it, quite logical, Mm -hmm. What do a lot of people do when they're stuck at home? Well, they decide that it's time to renovate. And so we've seen 13,000 new carpenters join the job market in this period of time. Mm -hmm. 12,000 new interior designers, 11,000 new gardeners. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are redirecting their, their time and their effort towards their own houses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really, really fascinating to take a look at some of those types of job changes, even during the downturn in mm -hmm. the economy, even during the, the time when there are a lot of jobs that were lost, there were still jobs that were being gained. Mm -hmm. And this is my point. I think if we can encourage students to look at where there's jobs growth, then clearly it's going to be an easier prospect for them to find employment. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about the initial past of like, this was the change in the market as well. Um, mm. But one of the biggest concerns of any graduate today is that they want to go where the market is going, what they really want to do. For example, if I'm studying telecommunication engineering, yep. I want to work in the telecom industry. But sometimes what I don't realize is that the market is competitive. So in order to get a professional experiences within yep. space of telecom, I could actually choose other sectors as well. So uh, in, in, in a perspective to convince a graduate or, you know, any student out there, you know, who have started their journey in a sector which doesn't have any perspective or really competitive, how do you suggest them to prepare or how do you suggest them to choose other sector which is really booming yeah. at the moment? Brilliant question. Thanks for that question. Um, I actually fielded a similar question while I was doing a, uh, a webinar for uh, English Australia, which is the peak body for English language colleges. Uh, and you can well imagine that there are a lot of staff who had been working as English language trainers mm -hmm. who, lost, who lost their job um, when the borders closed. Uh, and so, you know, this, this was looking at um, how to help them deal with job loss and redundancy. And we, we've run a couple of case studies on people's resumes and started to analyse. Remember the soft skills and the hard skills we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Let's analyse which of those are transferable. And you may recall I, I, when, I, when I defined what soft skills were, I also called them general skills or transferable skills. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is the critical piece to be able to pass on to students who, who may have started a, a degree or a diploma or a certificate in one area, but have realised that they're more likely to find a job in another. And so my message is, uh, focus upon the transferable skill set that you have. You, you, you may already have um, uh, proven to an employer or a sporting team or even a lecturer 
mm-hmm. that you're a good team builder or that you're great with leadership mm-hmm. um, or you're an excellent communication uh, communicator or you're really good at negotiating. You see, so many of these skills at the graduate level are transferable and can be used from one industry to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then it comes to what are the roadblocks to gaining entry to a different kind of industry if mm-hmm. you know um if the position description says that mandatory is you must have a degree in mm-hmm. what is it you're studying uh, um telecommunication. Engin- telecommunication engineering yeah um so you know i would suggest to you it would be difficult for you to go and be a doctor Mm-hmm. because you don't have a degree in medicine <laughs> yeah. but it, it may be easier for you um, if you graduate with a degree in uh, telecommunications engineering potentially to find work in the telecommunications industry but not necessarily in an engineering role mm-hmm. so you might you might find that there's a lot of sales and marketing work happening at the moment um, you might find that uh, there's logistics work happening at the moment. If it's your chosen industry, um, then why not still pursue the industry, get a foot in the door and commence working in that industry and then wait for a position to open up that really interests you, that relates to your skill set. Um, and so I, I, I guess another message that I'd have here is around networking. One of the critical barriers um, that, that's often uh, identified by international students is that, of course, they come to a new country to study um, and they don't have the benefit that a lot of domestic students may have. That they may not have their, their mom or their dad or their uncle who's already working here, who already knows a bunch of people who could introduce you to people who could give you access to employment. Um, and so, you know, I've experienced that myself when I've worked overseas. Uh, and so my message is that while studying, particularly if you're studying in a profession that has a peak industry body, join it, become a student member of that peak industry body. So for you, Tarzan, I'd be surprised if you're not already a member of a, one of the industry bodies, uh, you know, telecommunications engineer, perhaps there is a telecommunications body. I know there's an engineering body called Engineers Australia. And I know that membership is free when you're a student. So that gives you immediate access to a whole range of employers within your industry, uh, regular networking events, whether they're online or face-to-face, mm-hmm. that, that are actually designed to help you to develop a network in that industry and to start a conversation with people about um, how to find graduate work once you you come out of uh, the end of your studies. So it may sound simple, but the the process of researching an industry body and joining um, doesn't take long. Typically it's free and all of a sudden it removes a lot of the barriers related Mm -hmm. to networking. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, because what I have been doing in in a different way as an international student is that like yeah. during 2020, I realized that, you know, um, like everything is changing as well. Like you have to know people to, you know, like to get into these roles as well. Because at the end of the day, um, a person hiring for a particular role is also, um, you know, a human being. So the best way to get into this role is to network with them as well. 
so yeah i have been in this group as well and i think um so me being an international student what i usually see is international student they feel that it's a waste of time as well because you don't see the result on the spot for example if you go and buy a fruit you give a money and you get the fruit networking isn't that simple you have to nurture the relationship for example you and i had a chat in the inside gar and then that's how we met in the morning and that's how we are in the pod so it's it's all about you know like um, it's it's a making human connection people don't realize like even though we use this term called networking just like employability a lot of people have yet to understand the true definition of it mm-hmm. um, it's like it's just two people connecting you know like within the same industry that's what i feel networking is and then we we don't really have to complex it it's just meeting people and you know knowing them and they might be useful in somewhere in your industry totally agree um it, it's about putting yourself out there enough to be able to form a human relationship uh which may uh lead towards uh you know a, a variety of different avenues to finding work yep. simple as that yep and 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 it doesn't really have to be you know like they need to give you a job i've seen a lot of international now in this current stage is that all of them want to start their own startup so the people that you meet today if even though they don't really give you a job they might be a potential you know investor or they might be somebody who could hook you up with other people who could be a consumer as well so it's it's a broad thing you know whenever you connect with a human being i had a um chat with one of the networking guru he's from new zealand tom braxman and he said you don't have to connect with 1000 people connect with around like 100 people and the amount of people that 100 people know just get start getting multiplied so for example i got connected with you so if we start a good bond you know tomorrow if um, if i have to start something with my company called stepping zone you would help me hook up with other people as well so it just get multiplied you know it's it's a compounding effect even in the networking yeah and i think um you know uh, you you mentioned something before around the conversation that you might have uh, if there is one way surefire way to turn somebody off when you just meet them it's to stick your hand out and say can i have a job please <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know um there are ways and means to develop that human relationship and to your point around you know it may not even result in in work it might result in helping you to set up your own business yeah the conversation starter that i'd recommend is hey uh sally really nice to meet you um you've been working in this industry for a long time how did you first start out you know when you put yourself in my shoes when you were about to graduate um mm-hmm. how did you find work and and how did what is it that you did for the first couple of years after you graduated that's the kind of conversation starter that developed empathy and from that empathy then can come understanding Uh, around the situation that you're in uh, and you just never know it's also a, 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 a more subtle approach to ensure you're going to have a longer conversation <laughs> <laughs> than just give me a job uh, and so you know I, i've i've found on countless occasions students have used that approach and have ended up with a business card an invitation to come in and have a coffee to talk to the hr manager to learn more about the the organization or a referral to somebody else in the industry who might actually be looking for graduates at the moment mm-hmm. so yeah um agree human relationships are key yep 
and yeah one of the key topic that i really wanted to discuss today is i remember our last conversation we talked a lot about what the market will look after the borders open you talked to your business migrant and yep. that's how i really wanted to do a podcast with you um let, let's talk about that part like how do you think the market will change as soon as the border will reopen and there will be more business migrant what are the effect going to be on sure. graduates and international students how long have you got a couple of hours good okay let's go <laughs> look uh, the first the first stage obviously is the domestic borders opening to each other um and so we're already seeing uh, a resurgence in um businesses gently um reopening so businesses for example in the food and beverage sector uh are saying okay well last time we bought in a whole bunch of stock when we opened up uh we had $100,000 in stock sitting and then the borders got closed again and we lost $100,000 so over the next few months i see retailers food and beverage operators and importantly tourism and travel operators um starting to recruit again and i suspect in the lead up towards the the christmas holidays over summer we're going to see a massive opportunity for students regardless of whether they're domestic or international to find work in those industries mm -hmm. so initially i think retail food and beverage and tourism and travel now of course um some states are going to be open to uh international um visitors coming in again soon and you know at this stage yes it's australian citizens only plus a few international student pilot uh, projects but i think we're going to see a dramatic opening uh, of australia's borders internationally next year uh, certainly by you know june july next year i would anticipate it'll be back to fully open for anybody who's vaccinated Mm -hmm. uh and it may be up to each state to determine what what level of quarantine is required so at that point i think we we can start to take a look back at holistically um what is happening in the the jobs across the australian economy and i think it's fair to begin to assume that uh, anybody who may have considered retiring uh will probably um have made that decision by the time the borders are reopened and i think that's significant because there are in fact a lot of baby boomers who are leaving the employment market in australia who are creating a void and so this is where traditional job vacancies uh are coming from they come on the back of growth and they come on the back of people leaving the workforce so um if we combine that phenomenon with the move to both online work and online study um i would be very surprised if we didn't see uh in the short term um quite a level of jobs growth uh in a variety of different sectors so if we look at the professional services industries good news for you tarzan i think we're going to see an increase in uh career opportunities for engineers Uh, I mentioned before nursing and and medical staff I think it's a given that we're going to continue to see jobs growth in this area mm -hmm. largely because of the forget covid for for a moment yes that's still there but largely because of the growth in the aged care sector in Australia mm -hmm. uh you know 
may not be the baby boomers yet, but the generation above them uh, <laughs> are, are rapidly uh, entering into aged care. And there, there continues to be a demand for healthcare workers in that sector. Um, no doubt uh, an increase in, in white collar workers. So, you know, lawyers, accountants, um, consultants, et cetera. Uh, in fact, I've seen quite a number of people make a move into the consulting industry over the last few years. And from a vocational perspective, I mean, it's a very long list, but things that come to mind are we're going to see an increase in demand for teachers, um, for trades and for construction um, industries, um, automotive, uh, farming, etc. So, you know, probably quite good news on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned migration before, so I'll sort of turn my comments to to what is known as the skilled occupation list in Australia, something that you and I spoke about last time. I think the skilled occupation list is subject to a variety of different visas, but it's a list of occupations across the country where the Australian government is prepared to say, okay, we're actually pretty keen on attracting people from overseas to come and fill these sorts of jobs. Um, and, and this is relevant to students because of all of the different visa subtypes, I think I've got it open on a screen here. Yeah, there's something like a dozen different visa subtypes or subclasses. There are two that are actually really relevant. Um, one is the 407, which is a training visa. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's around temporary opportunities. Um, if you were to come in, undertake some training uh, and then be prepared to live in a regional location in Australia, mm -hmm. Uh, and the other is well known to international students, and that's the 485, the temporary graduate visa, mm -hmm. uh, which, of course, can be a pathway towards permanent residency over time. So, wow, um, the regionally sponsored migration related skills list is huge. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Everything we've spoken about, accommodation, hospitality, accounting, advertising, pilots, agricultural workers, farmers, air conditioning mechanics, scientists, architects, you name it. I mean, it's a very, very long list, but the, the fact is that it's a list that exists because there are vacancies in many regional locations across the country. And so I suppose, you know, I'd encourage anybody who's who's studying in Australia um, as a, a guest on a student visa who has an interest in gaining access to employment think about regional opportunities I know that I know that many of us are attracted to capital cities because we think that's where the big jobs growth is <laughs> but hey um, there, there's some incredible lifestyle opportunities and some amazing career opportunities right across regional Australia and just know that um, for people who are prepared to make the move to regional Australia, you might actually find that life's gonna be a lot easier. You mm -hmm. might find it's a lot easier to, to gain employment in a regional location. Okay, that didn't quite take two hours, but um, there's a snapshot <laughs> of where I think things are gonna go over the next six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. So so even though the borders are going to open business market are you know come on in in australia there's still going to be opportunity for graduates and international students for more like and an year and six months like moving forward wow i mean i really think that for the next year year and a half there are going to be tremendous opportunities for international students this is the sweet spot 
mm-hmm. the market's reopening. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, there's 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 you know there's a limited number of international students mm-hmm. who are in Australia. So if you're in Australia right now and you're and you're thinking about looking for work, do it mm-hmm. because this is when the market's opening and there's not a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Over the next six to twelve months, as we see hundreds of thousands of international students re-enter the market, that's when it will become more competitive. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about the part of like um, the coming year being a switch spot for international student graduate, um, you've been working with a lot of you know like providers like university and colleges. Yeah. Um, where do you have like where have you seen that these uh, universities are like you know having challenges to create a career related programs? Yeah. All right. Great question. Um, I think that. The first issue is one of scale. Um, let's take a look at, I won't mention any customer names, but let's just take a look at uh, an example of uh, a university, say a regional university, who has a range of domestic and international students across a variety of different campus locations. Um, and indeed, uh, six, seven, eight hundred international students who have enrolled to study with them, but are still not in Australia. And so they're studying online overseas somewhere. How do you possibly improve the employability skills of all of those students? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer in in my opinion lies in the delivery of scale. Um, And so our our approach through Successful Graduate is to deliver a platform for them, which all of their students can gain access to which provide online training to support the employability skills of those students at each of the different stages of the student life cycle. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our approach is to support an education provider with, first of all, um, preparation for studies, academic readiness, uh, pre-departure course for an international student to understand what to expect when they arrive in Australia, how to start developing some of their critical employability skills before they leave the country. The next might be how to how to find part-time or casual work while they're studying. Uh, the next is an internship preparation program, which is designed to support students with the, both the ability to research and apply for an internship or a work integrated learning opportunity, but also going back to our earlier point, an understanding of how to then demonstrate what they've achieved in that internship in the context of the hard skill and the eight or nine soft skills Mm -hmm. that are going to appear in a job ad. So you don't, you know, imagine if you come out um, from university and you say, well, actually, theoretically, I know how to apply for a job. And theoretically, I, I've, you know, here's my degree. But mm-hmm. actually, I've already worked for an employer and I've already demonstrated my team building skills. And here is the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already demonstrated my ability to negotiate and communicate. Here is the outcome. I've demonstrated my problem solving skills. And here's the report that I wrote when I was doing my internship. Can you see how that student then all of a sudden becomes super competitive? when it comes to applying for graduate work. So that's an important one. Okay, so scale. Um, I I think it's important to be able to support um, all students regardless of their location. Uh, And, uh, you know, with two of our customers at the moment, I mentioned six, seven, eight hundred students who are still stuck overseas, absolutely. But they're going to come to Australia on their post-study work visa when they graduate. 
and it might be the first time they've ever been here. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to support them to improve their employability skills as well. Um, I mentioned experience through internship, but also through volunteering. Um, uh, the biggest problem with scale is um, it's just not possible for an institution to say, all right, all 55,000 of our students here, have some work experience. Sadly, there, there just aren't enough employers to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So what our challenge is how, how can we develop the tools for students to help themselves? Mm-hmm. And it's the students who are the most motivated who are going to be able to take advantage of mm-hmm. the scale in the delivery that we present. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, Tarzan, we've spoken about soft skills development um, in, in a number of ways today, but uh, I can't stress enough how important it is um, for uh, you know, an institution, be it through their, their careers team or through their student acquisition team or through their academics, um, to be able to support the student not only with their hard skills, but also with the acquisition and understanding of their soft skills. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about the challenges that a provider um, is having to, you know, deliver this career-related program, when it comes to international student and graduate, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be local as well, what are some of the challenges do you see they are facing and like where do you think they are you know missing out to you know um, like the key thing for being employable where do this do you think they are getting missed out i think probably in three key areas um so the first and in fact they're all areas that we've we've touched on today so the first is um the inability to be able to rely upon an existing network through family Mm -hmm. uh, or friends and so i think if an international student um, is concerned about that, know that there are things you can do to develop your own network. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Networking is a term which can be it can be defined in a variety of different ways. All I'm talking about is seek out where there are employers in your chosen industry, and work out how to engage with them. And if you don't know, ask. You know, um, mm-hmm. seek help from your lecturer. Is there a industry body that I can join? Or if there isn't, let's say um, the, the, the student is working in a regional location, then say, all right, well, what is the, uh, what are the networking groups that I can join? Is there a chamber of commerce that I can join? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I start to have conversations with people that could potentially become employers of mine? So look, with gaining access to network comes networking skills. Um, mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll simply say, uh these are skills that can easily be learned and it starts with a conversation remember our point about developing human relationships it's as mm-hmm. simple as that so know where to look and know how to start the conversation the rest will happen mm-hmm. the second is i think um you know very understandably the job application process in australia is probably quite different mm-hmm. to the job application process where the student may have come from Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to improve an understanding about how you apply for a job in Australia is critical. Mm-hmm. And that's the core of our business. That's, that's why we exist, to support students with education providers. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's about understanding what are selection criteria, uh, how to format your resume, um, uh, how to go about approaching an employer, um, where to look for work. Um, mm-hmm. What are the right interview techniques to use? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the rights and responsibilities of 
somebody who's working in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is where the role of the workforce ombudsman comes into play to be able to help a, an international student to understand what are their working rights. Uh, is there a minimum pay that I should expect associated with my award? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that information is available. And the third is a lack of certain soft skills. And this isn't just about international students. This is about anybody who, who you know, is um, at a, an age where you're about to join the workforce for the first time. Um, there's, there's a lot of data around. Um, in the industry, there, there are a variety of organisations. There's one called the Quality Indicators of Learning and Teaching Survey, Quilt Survey, um, which is done uh, for the federal government. And employers each year are asked to uh, provide feedback about the quality of graduates that -hmm. they employ. And typically, there are a variety of mm, a dozen soft skills, which these employers say are lacking in students. And I've already mentioned them all today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Critical thinking, problem solving, team building, um, uh, communication, negotiation, Mm -hmm. leadership. So, you know, we're all individuals and we all have a different skills base. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just not possible to say every student lacks this. Mm-hmm. But overall, the data does suggest that employers don't want to have to teach you how to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. They expect you to be one by the time you apply for a job. Mm-hmm. So work on your soft skills. Mm-hmm. And... Like uh, we talked a lot about employability, about providers and students as well. And we talked about that there will be an year and two, you know, where there will be a sweet spot for international student and graduate as well. So how can um, a graduate, you know, like who have recently graduated or who, who are like in their third year of their, you know, about to getting graduated, how can they prepare themselves for this upcoming market that we've been talking, you know, since an hour earlier now? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, look, can I say, uh, if, if, a, if a student has left it to third year or graduation, then they've got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I'd actually encourage students to commence this journey, um, improving their employability skills first semester, first year. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, the first would be look at where there is demand. Mm-hmm. Now, that there's a brand new data set. I don't think I've mentioned this to you yet. Um, there's a brand new data set that this, the Australian government has just released, mm-hmm. uh, which is called Nero. It's a, what they're calling a nowcast, just a funky mm-hmm. word for a new set of data, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a nowcast of employment by region and occupation. So if you go to the National Skills Commission website, mm-hmm. search for Nero, N-E-R-O, that actually gives a breakdown right up until the month previous mm-hmm. of where the, where the jobs have been, where the new jobs have been mm-hmm. by location in Australia. And that's what's new. So if you're in Bathurst and you say, hmm, I wonder what kind of jobs growth there has been in different, in, I want to be an accountant in Bathurst, type it in and you see there's been 17,000 jobs that have been filled, for example. Mm-hmm. It's quite, quite interesting. Now, it only talks historically. Mm-hmm. But at least it talks just a month ago. It's not like five years ago, which is where a lot of these data sets t- tended to be. Mm-hmm. So, so what's new is it gives you pretty real-time access to where jobs growth is, is, exists regionally across the country. Um, I suggest 
uh, really take the time to understand the job application process in Australia. Mm -hmm. And it, it, look, if you're unsure, you, you, I think there's a free employability test on our one of our websites, um, successfulgraduate.com. Take a look at that and understand uh, a little bit better about the Australian job application process. Um, the third would be to network while studying, as we've discussed, um, gain access to the existing networks that are there. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to go it alone and you'll find there's a lot of support available to you. Um, and the fourth would simply be to, to arrange to have some level of experience on your resume or your curriculum vitae that you can draw upon. So clearly it's easier to gain employment if you can prove that another employer has previously found you, your skills to be valuable. Mm -hmm. But they don't necessarily have to have paid you. So you might be able to find a volunteering role and then be able to talk about, well, while I was working for Volunteers Australia, uh, mm -hmm. I was able to demonstrate these six soft skills. Uh, we've spoken about internships, work integrated learning, um, even just a part-time work or casual work while you're studying still sets you apart from a graduate who has never worked or had an engagement with employer in the past. Mm. So they're my four top tips. Wow. Just loved it, man. And before we wrap up the session as well, um, like if, because we talked about um, you know, a person who is in the final year and who is, you know, in their first year as well. So what if, if I'm somebody who I'm, I'm about to start my career as well? So, but I have a passion in different sector, but I don't really have opportunity over there. So should I start, um, I leave my sector of passion and start something which there is opportunity or what should I do? Because I have a, had few people reach out to me asking about, what should I study? What should I, you know, work on? And it's, it's something I couldn't really um, like, you know, advise people because I'm not a career advisor, but you've been working in this sector for quite a while. Yeah. Um, look, I would, my first advice is I would say never, um, never forget your passion, always follow your dreams. And you might find that there are several steps on the way uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to landing that ideal job. So mm -hmm. if for some reason, um, tech, uh, telecommunications engineering uh, mm -hmm. had a downturn in jobs. What should you do? Well, we've spoken about this. So I think you've got to start somewhere. Be prepared to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that if you were working in a job that you, you didn't necessarily want to do for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't mean the end of the world. Quite the opposite. It means that you're able to put something on your resume mm -hmm. which can demonstrate um, your worth to an employer in the future. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it's really important, I think, to then look at, well, what is that area of passion that, that where I want to work? What are the skills requirements? Do the research on, I mean, go jump on the internet and take a look at what are the criteria that they, they have mm -hmm. uh, to, before they can employ somebody in that, in that particular industry sector and then work out what your skills deficits are and it's all about self-help so if it's a simple matter of developing and acquiring soft skills get out mm -hmm. there and do it doesn't matter what work you're doing you can still develop those soft skills mm -hmm. um, if it's a matter of developing the hard skills well that's why you're at uni so that's why i said before it'd be difficult for you to go and become a doctor because mm -hmm. you'd actually have to go and do a whole other degree but 
Mate, uh, it's about experience, it's about intent, and it's about passion. Wow. I hope that a lot of people listening to this podcast will be able to, you know, like start working on their soft skills instead of just working on the hard skills. That would be a great outcome. <laughs> <laughs> All good, Gordon. Thank you for joining in um, with me in this podcast. It's lovely to have you and definitely will be have you in some other time as well. Mate. Thanks for jumping in. Gordon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for the opportunity. Cheers, Tarzan. Firstly, I want to take this opportunity and thank Goran for you know jumping into the pod and you know making the whole uh, nearly an hour conversation so fun. I don't know why, maybe because I'm passionate and ta- uh, about talking about employability. It's fun to me as well. I hope that this episode, um, you know, while talking with me in this particular episode, um, Goran was also able to have the same fun as well. So I just wanted to take this opportunity and thank Goran you know for jumping into the pod and sharing so much of value as well and. I hope that those listening tuning into this podcast were also able to you know get some values out of it. So if you got a tiny bit of value out of the pod and if you got a little bit tips in your job seeking journey, feel free to send me a DM on LinkedIn or Instagram or even in Spotify or even if you like to you know do it the old way, feel free to uh, send out a mail at top tip with thousand at gmail.com and share what you have learned and then you know how this podcast was able to you know help it in your journey as well and yeah i also wanted to want to you know uh, quickly you know put out some uh, something out there you know if you are someone you know tuning in regularly to my podcast or if you just tune into the podcast and if you have any feedback or if you would like you know catch up uh, for a meetup as well feel free to you know text me in linkedin as well i'm really open for anything it doesn't mean that you don't really have to be somebody who likes the podcast you know if if you don't like the podcast feel free to send me a feedback as well you know i'm always you know open to any feedback as well so yeah why just uh, make this podcast only about listening and, and you know like only about me speaking let's um uh, hear from you as well let's um let's organize a meetup you know if you if you like to meet up individually if you you like to do a group uh, meet up as well i'm more than happy to you know facilitate anything so if you like to you know have a meet up feel free to email me text me or you know even comment um, on those posts in instagram so thank you so much for everyone for tuning into this podcast and i'll see you all next week then until then guys happy hunting Thank you.